folks, Norm here, bringing you another episode of Drabblecast Relaunch Prelaunch content as we inch closer and closer to the end of the Drabblecast Reborn Kickstarter campaign, one week from now. That's right, folks, October 17th, our Kickstarter wraps up. You still have a chance to head over there and check out all our awesome reward incentives and stretch goals. You can find a link to the Drabblecast Reborn Kickstarter in our show notes or by searching for Drabblecast Reborn on Kickstarter or Google. Today, I wanted to play you a classic from way back in the vault of our archives that also highlights a super accessible but highly impactful pledge level, the $50 Magnetic Love Monkey level. That level's named after one of the most unforgettable aspects of one of the most unforgettable stories we've ever run on the Drabblecast. Frank Key's sci-fi story, Far, Far Away, which you're going to relive or hear for the first time in all its glory in just a bit. As one reviewer's written, there are cult writers, and then there's Frank Key. Described by The Guardian as the author who can probably lay claim to having written more nonsense than any man living, Frank Key's a one-man prose factory whose utterly original stories, published on the Hooting Yard blog and broadcast on his long-running Residence FM radio shows, have earned him a dedicated following on both sides of the Atlantic. And certainly that is true of myself and other Drabblecast fans here in the States. Frank's pretty much the guy when it comes to absurd, surrealist fiction, and we've run a lot of his stories on the show because it's not just absurdity for absurdity's sake, it's, well, to try and describe what it is, as fans well know, inevitably always leads to just the statement, just go read one, you'll like it. Frank has one story called House of Terps, which, after the big revelation that our Arctic explorer protagonist is trapped, follows 42 successive questions beginning with, how on earth did Kirpin escape? And it's hilarious. I've always wondered who would win in a cage fight, H.P. Lovecraft or Frank Key of Hooting Yard on the air. Key is all about some archaeology, esoteric pamphlets, ancient hideous bat gods, and ridiculous long-ass words and sentences. What would happen if I commissioned Frank to write a story set in the mythos of the old godfather of weird fiction himself, H.P. Lovecraft? So I did, and it's awesome. It's called Mr. Key Goes to Innsmouth. Here's Frank talking a bit about it. When Norm uh, asked me to contribute to the Lovecraft Week with a with an homage to H.P. Lovecraft, I must admit my first um, my first reaction was uh, to shudder with nameless dread. But uh, I soon got over it, and I thought I'd put pen to paper. Um, and I thought what I'd do was to write a story which was sort of half Lovecraft, half me, or half Hooting Yard. Um, so, but I realised with H.P. Lovecraft, it's so difficult to do a proper uh, parody. So much of the bits, much of the Lovecraftian bits in that story are in fact direct quotations. Uh, the speech by Dimity Cashew comes from, I can't remember which story, I'm sorry, uh, but it's a direct quotation. Uh, and of course, I had to, I had to include my favourite bit of all, um, bit of all Lovecraft, which is the glub, glub, glub uh, telephone call from the thing on the doorstep. Um, 
But then I also put in, uh, uh, apart from with breathtaking arrogance, making myself the uh, making myself the hero or anti-hero, I put in various things that would be familiar to Hooting Yard readers, like Dimity Cashew, the Grunty Man. Um, my obsession with the fact that President Nixon's hobby was mashing potatoes. I like to get that in. So it's a kind of mix of of me and H.P. Lovecraft, really. Um, uh, one little postscript: uh, the the person who played the uh, ichthyo linguist um, Ed Baxter is the is the uh, benevolent despot who runs um, uh, Resonance FM, the radio station that I do the Hooting Yard show for, and. Um, Ed Baxter, many years ago, um, his answer phone message, or I suppose now they'd, they'd call it voicemail, wouldn't they? But on his answer phone, if you rang Ed and he wasn't in, you'd get the message, glub, 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 um, which I thought was perfect. And it makes it particularly apposite, I think, that Ed was able to um, do the voice for that piece. And you get to hear that story exclusively if you make a pledge to the Travelcast Reborn Kickstarter at the $50 Magnetic Love Monkey level or higher. Not to mention you get a -a one-of-a-kind Travelcast glow-in-the-dark pin, a special thanks on our website, and all three of our brand new unreleased audiobook anthologies, Weird Fantasy, Weird Science Fiction, and Weird Horror. All for supporting one of your favorite podcasts with just one more week to go on Kickstarter. Check out the Travelcast Reborn, folks. You'll be happy you did. All right, I don't know about you, but I'm itching to dive into this story. Without further ado, we bring you Far, Far Away by Frank Key. Far, Far Away. There is a galaxy of shattered stars. Stars crumpled and curdled and destitute. And there is a planet tucked in among these sorry stars. A tiny pink planet. Gas and water. And thick foliage. And tucked in among the fronds and creepers and enormous leaves of this foliage lie millions of unhatched eggs. And when they hatch, they will hatch millions of magnetic, mute, blind love monkeys. I am a crew member of the starship Corrugated Cardboard, heading implacably through deep space towards the galaxy of crumpled stars. Seven years into the voyage, only four of us remain from the original Manifest of Twenty. There is my captain, oh, my captain, Pillbrow, a hirsute raving martinet. We have tied him with cords and confined him to a cupboard, where he has become impossibly dangerous. His spittle is sulfurous. It burns that which it touches, and as he raves he spits, and he is never not raving. Not anymore. 
ever since we passed through the belt of Pilbrow seems no longer human. Being the science officer, I tried to study him at first. Wearing big protective gloves, I transferred flecks of his spittle into my alembic and ignited my Bunsen burners and peered intently at Pilbrow's burning spittle, hoping to learn something. I learned nothing. We have traveled far, far beyond the belt of and still I have learned nothing. Thus the binding with cords, and thus the cupboard. Also surviving is Pilbrow too, a half-sized version of my captain. Oh, my captain. Made of cardboard, wax, and string, and animated with life by sparks of something akin to, but not quite, electricity. Pilbrow too is indubitably alive, a pulsating, rustling, thinking, breathing thing, but it has nothing in common with the raving martinet tied by cords in the cupboard. At the beginning of the voyage, we considered changing its name. We even spent a few days calling it Unpillbrow or Anti-Pillbrow, but neither of these caught on, possibly because Pillbrow too would boom, oh, My name is Pillbrow too, in its deafening voice. Our cardboard, wax, and string crewmate has been invaluable in keeping our spirits up. I do not think we would still be heading for the galaxy of crumpled and destitute stars, and for the tiny pink planet, if it were not for his... her? Its determination. Lumpen would have us turn back, I am sure of it. Lumpen is the other survivor. He has been morose and sullen since we ran out of breakfast cereal two years ago after missing the supply depot on the planet of grocery provisions on Epsilon 6 where we were due to collect a consignment of Kellogg's fruit and fiber. He keeps to his bunk now, head buried in a metal-backed copy of Atlas Shrugged by Anne Rand, his pipe clenched in his teeth, the fumes of his untreated Serbian tobacco hanging in the pseudo-air of the cabin. At least, it kills the flies. The bullet-riddled corpses of our dead crewmates, all sixteen of them, are coffined up. The coffins stacked as a makeshift ping-pong table. We cleared a space in the cargo hold by jettisoning some crates of irrelevant rubbish we were meant to be delivering to one of the outlying mini-planets of Hubbard World. <laughs> There'll be hell to pay if we ever get home. But home seems so far away now. So far, far away. Pillbrow, too, is a superb ping-pong player, never letting its bat get caught in its string. But I am better. We have played thousands of games over the years, and I have won nearly all of them, sometimes without losing a point. Because it has no heart, Pilbrow too is not disheartened and comes to every match with the same valiant perkiness that keeps us plunging even further through space towards the galaxy of shattered stars. One afternoon, after a particularly grueling ping-pong match, Pilbrow too confessed to me what kept it going, what kept it tweaking the boosters to increase our speed, even at the cost of sending the starship into judders which popped some of the bolts in the pseudo-air seals. 
It was filled with a burning lust for the as-yet-unhatched, magnetic, mute, blind love monkeys patiently awaiting birth on the tiny pink planet. This was the first I'd heard of them. I became confused and flung question after question at the half-sized cardboard, wax-and-string simulacrum of my captain. Oh, my captain. But it answered none of them. Instead, it showed me pages of twee love poetry it had been writing and led me to a corner of the cargo hold where it had hidden a stash of love tokens, mostly things made out of some kind of tin, flowers and lockets and brooches, finicky bitty bobs it was going to bestow upon the magnetic, mute, blind love monkeys once they were born. When I protested that there were supposedly millions of these monkeys, Pilbrow too explained to me with a winsome sigh that its love knew no bounds, and nor did its lust. For when it had been programmed back in the lab that gave it life, a stray spark had imbued it with a superabundance of love, lust, and ping-pong perkiness. I wondered whether to share these revelations with Lumpen. But what would be the use? Patting Pilbrow too on its cardboard head, I picked up my ping-pong bat and challenged it to another game. And we played and played and played as my captain... Oh, my captain, Pilbrow, raved and spat and struggled with his binding cords in his cupboard. We played as Lumpen smoked his pipe and read Anne Rand for the thousandth time. We played as the starship corrugated cardboard hurtled inexorably through space towards the galaxy of stars shattered and stars crumpled, stars curdled and stars destitute wherein nestled the tiny pink planet of gas and water and thick foliage, wherein nestled millions of unhatched eggs, wherein nestled millions of unhatched, magnetic, mute, blind love monkeys, awaiting their unlikely Romeo, a cardboard, wax-and-string simulacrum of my captain, oh, my captain, called Pillbrow Two, bearing poetry and love tokens far, far away. And that was our story. I'll tell you, folks, you should try reading one of Frank's stories out loud sometime if you really want a challenge. The guy does it flawlessly on his show, though. I don't know. It's a wonder to behold. It's like doing oral gymnastics while running a breath support marathon. By the way, speaking of reading Frank's work or hearing him read it, Frank has a ton of anthologies, all of which you can find on Amazon.com or at his website HootingYard.org, where you can also connect with his long-running radio show on Residence FM, Hooting Yard on the Air. There will be nothing else like it in your earbuds each week. I promise. 
Hope you folks enjoyed this little flashback to one of my favorite weird stories and this bit of teaser content for Mr. Key Goes to Innsmouth. Do go check out our Kickstarter link in the show notes and consider becoming a magnetic, mute, blind love monkey today. Never thought I'd get to say that on the show. We'll see you soon, weirdos. Thank you.